0: We've all been there, justifying our creative job to mum and dad, explaining what our job is to grandad, brushing off jokes about freelancing from our mate who works in finance. But times are changing and the value of creativity is being recognised. The creative industries are the fastest growing part of the UK economy and the least likely jobs to be taken over by robots. I'm Kayleigh Macleod, and this is Get A Proper Job where I'll be talking to researchers and creatives about the issues that matter.
1: If you're creative and you lose your integrity, if you're pushed too far away from your vision, you can be in real trouble.
0: In this episode of Get a Proper Job, we're talking creativity and well-being with screenwriter and novelist Matthew Hall and artist Catherine Shears. Who is IT creative? Sad. a uh, interesting. Oh, she's, she's very creative. She's interesting. Job. Hello and welcome. Let's hear from Professor of Creativity Gareth Lowden of Cardiff Metropolitan University on well-being in the creative industries.
2: Thanks for inviting me down. I want to start with a quote by uh, research done by Professor Chiset Mihai, and he looked at creative individuals. And in his research, which was quite in-depth research across uh, many countries and many domains, he looked at what was their commonality between those creative individuals. And the one thing he found was that uh, creative individuals love what they do. So there was this sort of natural drive, this desire, this intrinsic motivation, if you want, to get involved with creative work. In some of the other research he talked about, he highlighted, for example, that one of the most enjoyable experiences that people rate was designing and discovering something new. So there was this this sort of natural drive that's common in the creative industries and people who want to do creative work uh, that maybe doesn't come Across so commonly in in other areas. So that what you would naturally think would would be associated with well-being. And so the broader research supports that, where there's sort of this uh, overall research would suggest that positive mood does enhance creativity. However, some people do argue against that and say that anxiety, for example, can focus the mind and focusing the mind can be good for creativity. Other examples could be referred to you know, famous artists or writers or other creative practitioners who've maybe uh, been associated with more negative mood or, or, or poor well-being. So I wanted to sort of dwell on that a little, a little bit. But I think it, it, in one level, it comes to timescale. Um, if you want to, you know, one of the key factors that drives creativity is attention. And um, to sustain that level of attention over a longer period of time, is not easy to do without this sense of drive, this sense of purpose, of loving what, what you do. And so, therefore, I think the purpose is a critical aspect to drive creativity and has a big impact on well-being. Research by people like Richard Ryan and Edward Deasy highlight that we're naturally intrinsically motivated to be creative, to seek novelty and challenges, to explore and to learn. And they argue this is a sort of natural energy for action. So creativity is, is something that we naturally desire to do. And it's something that I think people want to do. Often their environments and their work doesn't allow that. But in the creative industries in particular, I think there's a, there's a better avenue to support that. So I think well-being naturally, you would argue, is well suited to creativity. But the downsides of that, sometimes pressure and stress can occur. Fear of judgment, fear of failure, even possible apathy within the other extreme. But if you look at pressure and stress, often creative individuals might feel that. And that can have possibly a negative effect on well-being just because it might create creative block. And creative block then can obviously affect your idea generation and therefore affect your creativity. You could get yourself into a negative spiral. So I think it's also then good to look at some of the research on well-being and happiness to see if that gives us a clue in terms of what can help in that. And the sort of latest research on happiness suggests that happiness is not just about pleasure, which is important, but also about purpose. And actually, ideally, having a balance of pleasure and purpose. And so, for example, in a situation where someone might have a creative block, then maybe the solution is pleasure and playfulness to get you out of that that stressful environment and put you back into a more positive mood, which again enhances creativity, as I mentioned earlier but also in the broader sense, the importance of purpose, which comes back to Cs. Mihai's idea of love what they do. And um, having a sense of purpose in the long term is associated with happiness. In fact, Bertrand Russell famously said back in 1930, purpose is one of the most essential ingredients for happiness. So if you're doing what you love and that's a creative act, I would argue that's your sort of natural state to have that energy for action. It links with your purpose but if you love what you're doing, it's pleasurable as well as purposeful. So I think there would be a strong chance to link that creativity and well-being moving forward.
0: Thanks for that, Gareth. Well, lots of food for thought there, which we're going to discuss in more detail with Catherine in the studio and Matthew, who joins us on the phone. Matthew is a screenwriter and novelist who's written more than 50 hours of primetime television and published eight novels. Matthew created Keeping Faith in Boromerche, which took the world by storm in 2018 with the highest drama ratings for BBC Wales in 20 years. It was downloaded more than 17 million times from iPlayer. Catherine is an artist who creates work from her studio in Talgarth, exploring themes including femininity, feminism, the body and motherhood. Catherine was originally a lingerie designer working in London, Hong Kong and New York. She employs sensory processes and rituals in her practice to access physical empathy in her painting and drawing. Thanks for chatting to us about well-being and creativity. Uh, Catherine, can you just tell us a bit more about your creative career to date?
3: Yeah, of course. As you mentioned, I started as a lingerie designer. It was something that I found initially a huge amount of creativity in, and I think possibly the realities of working in product design in a corporate environment taught me that actually (laughs) um, there are real sort of you know boundaries and limitations to that work uh, when you have to fulfill sales figures etc like that so for the past um, six or seven years i've been working um, independently as an artist and the freedom and the absolute joy and pleasure that i have in producing work which has to conform to the boundaries that I set, or the, the ideas and the, the sort of um, limits that I set to it. Um, for me, I'm incre- incredibly happy doing this, and I find that it's both played a very integral role in my well-being, and um, my well-being, is, is, or, or lack of it, as sometimes happens, is um, very much reflected in the work that I make. I don't think that, that it's possible, really, to, to separate the two.
0: Great. We'll pick up a bit more on that later, yeah. Matthew. I believe you actually started as a lawyer. Can you talk us through your journey into becoming a creative?
1: Yeah, um, I sort of grew up in a creative family, but um, you know, we had uh, there was divorce and all sorts of upsets like that. And I I decided quite young that I wanted to uh, not have a life like that. I wanted to be uh, as conventional as possible, <laughs> um, and studied. Study law, and um, I became a barrister for a few years. Um, but I sort of temperamentally learned when I was practicing the law that I, I like defending people. Um, you have to defend and prosecute if you're doing criminal law because there's, there's always a human being that you're defending. No matter what they've done, they've always got a very interesting and usually a very sort of sad life history that's led them to this point. I realized I was kind of far more interested in the people I was meeting than, than the law itself, really. And um, so I, I gradually started trying to write stories based on things that I was experiencing. And um, I think really I studied writing, it was screenwriting initially, kind of like an academic discipline for about two or three years, really trying to understand um, how the structure of drama works. And it was kind of when I, I got a handle on the craft of it that that sort of unlocked the creativity. So ideas for stories then became things that I could turn into um, scripts that that worked. And, um, yeah, by the time I was 27, I think I got my first break writing on a TV show called Cavern QC. And I wrote TV for about 12 years and then started writing novels. And and now I do a bit of both. And in in terms of well-being, the two are worlds apart. Novels, I... um, very much enjoy the process because you're by yourself and no one's breathing down your neck. But um, I would be lying if I said that the world of television in any way was relaxing. It's not. It's frenetic. It's pressurized and it's creativity under the most extreme levels of stress. But um, it's quite interesting that one is compelled to carry on with that nevertheless. So there are different kinds of creativity. I mean, the the net result is that you're invariably pleased with the results, but um, the process of creation isn't necessarily one that's full of uh, light and happiness and joy.
0: It sounds like you, you balance both of those by being a novelist and a screenwriter.
1: Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's... Um, I, I spent about 12 years working in, in TV. I, I reached a point, actually, when I'd, I'd been writing a show that got sort of changed quite a lot in the editorial process. I ended up at the end of it thinking, okay, I'm in the TV business, I'm doing quite well, but I don't feel like I'm in the writing business properly. I feel like I'm just kind of a writer for hire. And and at that point, I almost abandoned everything and went back to the law, but I thought, no, no, no. Actually, what I've got to try and do is write a book because that's what proper writers do. And um, that's what I did. Um, over about six sort of fairly frantic months as wrote a novel. And that kind of saved my creative life, really, because I realized that if, if you're in a very commercial realm like television, um, you need something else to balance it with. If you're creative and you lose your integrity, if you're pushed too far away from your vision, um, you can be in real trouble, um, as I've learned. So you need that pure channel of expression. The idea had been cooking for about 10, 10 years in various ways. Um, and um, I think I only intended to write one novel at the beginning, but then, then the publisher um, said, oh yeah, we'll publish this, but we'd like you to write, commit to three. So I ended up sort of then being a novelist by default, really writing a book every year. The first thing I say to any writers starting out is um, you do this job if you've got something to say and and something to communicate to the world. I'm sure it's the same with painters and artists as well.
0: I mean, we heard from from Professor of Creativity, Gareth Loudon, that the research supports the notion that creative individuals really love what they do, particularly designing and discovering something new. Is that mm. something you find when you're creating a new piece of art, Catherine?
3: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think that quest for the new is something that's... Uh, lies behind um, a lot of the drive and the hunger. There is an innate and quite visceral satisfaction that comes when you just, for me at least anyway, if I'm in the studio and I'm working on a piece that has somehow eluded what I want it to be, and yet I don't have a set sense of what it should be. There's a certain surrender that has to happen alongside a very focused exploration it's a really interesting uh, mix of control and complete lack of control. And so somehow when those marry and um, there's a point where I'll, I'll look at a painting and I, it's almost like an internal click. It's ah, like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's just, even if it's just that mark in that space, that makes sense of something that I can't articulate um, in words, but in, in colour and form, that's it. And that, for me, is that discovery of new. It's a discovery of something that feels authentic and um, true to whatever it is I want that piece to be and that piece wants to be. And that's the real high, yeah, definitely.
0: That moment where you realise that you love what you do?
3: Oh, utterly. Yeah, I wanted to practise art a very, very long time. It was a long-held ambition. Um, I sort of came from almost the opposite background to Matthew. so I came from a very medical family. Um, And so the idea of plunging into the creative world was, uh, it seemed at that time, at least anyway, very very unpredictable and um, somehow unsafe. That was why I think I initially went to design. It felt like a more structured way. But actually, no, it's taken decades, but doing now what I do, uh, it's love. It's, It's absolute love for it. Yeah, completely.
0: And were you ever told to get a proper job?
3: I think because I got a proper job (laughs) to begin with (laughs) and I'd shown to myself that I could do it and actually the fulfilment and what I was looking for wasn't there and I think we can talk about that later but a huge part of that was purpose and what actually was the outcome and and what I was working towards every day felt um, misaligned with my own personal values, not that it was wrong but it wasn't fulfilling me, so yeah... uh, I think I was probably told to do that when I was 16, did it, and then decided, no, no, i actually not going to do that.
0: forge your own way. Yeah,
3: very, mm. very much so.
0: I mean, the other side of the coin to loving what you do is that you can often feel pressure and stress mm. that could have a negative effect on well-being and might lead to what we'd call a creative block. Mm. Is that true of any of your experiences?
3: For me personally, I, so I started working as an artist six or seven years ago. And I think though there were minor periods of that in those first couple of years, I think my um, relief and passion to finally be doing what I loved, probably um, it was overridden by that. And then three years ago, I had um, severe postnatal depression after a difficult pregnancy and my daughter was born two months premature. Um, And so the pressure wasn't coming from the artistic work, it was coming from life. And actually, it was sort of almost the reverse for me. I took that pressure, in when I was starting to heal, my baby was very small, so I started drawing with her, um, held in a carrier close to my chest. Oh. And for six months, I took her to life drawing classes with me, sort of two or three days a week. And it was actually the process of drawing it's life drawing so for anyone who's not aware that's drawing women and men who are naked posing in front of you so the process of drawing someone who's physically vulnerable somehow started opening up my ability to feel my own emotions and feel connected again so in a way at that you know point it really actually relieved um the pressures i think that that i felt through life rather than adding to them that said i think i'm quite fortunate that you know i haven't been through a period yet where I've had that that massive, massive stress and I can almost guarantee I will go through it. Um, I just think to date, my personal experience has been, you know, more of it acting in the other direction.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. My pleasure. Matthew, have you had any experiences of of creative block or any sort of pressure to create?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in in TV, Or even writing a book to a deadline. You know, you've got, you have to produce the work, um, and in some ways, that can be very helpful. Um, and it focuses your mind, and it puts you into that tunnel where you can't think of anything else. The only thing that has sort of damaged creativity over the years is when, is, is, is when the pressures of life intrude. So, you know, if you're if you're a writer, you've got to. Um, in a sense it's quite a selfish occupation because it's impossible to think of anything else at all during the hours of the day when you're engaged in that. The one time I got sacked off a TV show, um, I was trying to look after a two-year-old at home, I think, and just the drafts of the script weren't good enough and bang, I, I, I lost that job. But since then I've been through all sorts of life's ups and downs I had a very ill for a number of years and I had to, to work through that when life was really tough. And then um, my wife had breast cancer last year and I was having to write a TV show, Keeping Faith, Series 2, to very tight deadlines, shuttling to and from hospitals and things. Somehow you, you do it, but pressure can be good. The worst moments almost are when there's no commissions or anything and you've got to stare at a bank page and think, right, what am I going to try and come up with and sell next? That can then prompt a couple of months of kind of uh, anxiety and and then ideas eventually come.
0: And do you feel like there's a link between creativity and well-being within your life, Matthew? Now
1: there's a point. It's It's quite interesting. People think, oh, that you're being creative. It must be wonderful just floating around being creative. Um, (laughs) My experience is the opposite of that. I'm kind of intense, and I hesitate to call it an affliction, but it's a bit like this, that one's mind is full of ideas and things that you want to try and understand and make sense of and bring into order. And writing stories is really a way of trying to... Articulate those thoughts and, and create a shape out of them, and to communicate um, the sense that you've made out of them to other people. Um, so, in that sense, it's deeply satisfying when you've when you've moulded a story that captures something that's been troubling you. Yeah.
0: So they're almost come bursting out these stories.
1: Yeah, I think I I think that's right. I think that if I weren't being paid for it or anything, I'd still having still be writing stories so I'm sure it's the same for artists I always I say it to people who are starting out writing if you want to be a writer it's because you are literally incapable of doing anything else you, you have to do it it's, a, it's kind of a compulsion
0: Catherine is nodding here <laughs> in the studio yeah
3: I mean a hundred percent agreement with that yeah absolutely yeah
0: I mean Matthew touched there on on drive Mm. you know the drive for creativity and I think that's all tied up in in purpose Mm. and how that has an impact on your on your well-being would Mm. you would you agree with that
3: yeah very much so I think that wasn't something that I was aware of going into either designing or art necessarily I think it's something that's um occurred to me as I've spent time in either and both um when I talked earlier about not feeling On purpose with the designing it was um, a lot of my artwork explores ideas of feminism and femininity and what it is to be a woman and part of what drew me to lingerie design in the first place when I started in that career was the thought of working with something which is precious to women and has the potential to feel empowering and to make us feel good about our bodies and and how we present and project ourselves into the world and then I think that that rather idealistic um, notion which can be true to an extent didn't exist um, in Sydney in in the last job that I was working at and so um, living in mainland China and seeing so many of these um, young girls working in the you know, relatively within the context of the country, relatively okay environments, but really, you know, to the Western eye, incredibly tough environments in order to make, you know, the next million bras to be shipped out to the West, which, you know, were being advertised in ways that really didn't didn't align with my sense of of empowering women to to feel good about themselves as they are. In fact, it was the antithesis of that. I felt very empty. And I think any creativity um, that was in that job, uh, it was more hollow. And my motivation and my enthusiasm for being creative was subdued. And I find in terms of purpose, it's those themes have come through, but one of the things I'd never anticipated as an artist um, I'm naturally an introvert, so not shy, but very much I find it easier to connect and communicate one-on-one. And so for me, I'm still sort of somewhat in awe of the fact that something I can make in private in my studio um, can communicate with hundreds and thousands of people um, in a way that I can't, you know, I can't fathom doing you know, as an individual. And so in terms of human connection and talking or expressing things that feel you know, really fundamentally important to me, and important to how I see the world for my daughters growing up. Um, I love that. That feels, that puts such an important layer on what I'm doing. Yeah.
0: It sounds like you both have made decisions in your careers, which were creative to begin with, but you made decisions that affected your well-being for for the better, Mm. made those changes to have a more expressive outlet for your creativity.
3: Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, I can't speak for Matthew But for myself yeah um, I think the awareness that I had this creative ability and drive and love and passion for doing that and it wasn't um, I wasn't in an environment which allowed the expression for it that you know felt important um, I wouldn't in a million years swap you know the security and you know the glamour and and what have you of, of living in in those cities and working in that job for the freedom and the autonomy and pleasure and satisfaction and challenge um
1: that i get from being an artist yeah
0: does any of that ring true with you matthew
1: yeah absolutely you know i always um torment myself with the thought of you know what if i'd carried on being a, a lawyer what would i've done i mean there, there's an alternative existence that i would have had you know i know there is Um, but on the other hand it it, you know I can't imagine doing it I mean I was just listening to that thinking look, I'm sitting in my study which is about 14 feet long and 8 feet wide it's tiny I spend most of my working life in it at the moment but it's the only place I want to be so it's quite strange isn't it and and it's that um, I always think of that line from uh, Hamlet in Shakespeare which is I could be bounded in a nutshell and count myself a king of infinite space. So it's like if you're in your internal space and creating things, then you you feel truly free, whereas you can be roaming around the world and, and denying your nature not being who you are and you feel completely trapped and in search of something. So um, my only thought about it is that if you decide that you've got to be Creative, follow a creative career. You've got to be all in about it. I
0: think that is a, a perfect place to wrap up our discussion. A real positive note. Finally, what does twenty twenty hold for you, Matthew?
1: Just wrapping up Keeping Faith season three, which will be the last season, probably, and um, starting some new um, TV projects. So it's all new.
0: Oh, it's very uh, exciting.
1: Really, really, yeah, very excited about.
0: Well, we will definitely keep across that. What about you, Catherine? Well, I've, my next exhibition coming up is with
1: um,
3: uh, an amazing young uh, woman photographer who works with sort of feminist ideas called Megan Winstone. So I'll be exhibiting with her in February um, at another woman-run gallery called Gallery at Home, which is in Ask. Um, and, yeah, working towards a solo show there later on this year.
0: Fantastic. Thank you both for telling us about your creative journeys and being being so open on our podcast. It's a pleasure, thank you. Thank you for asking me. And I'd also like to thank Professor Gareth Loudon for his academic insights on well-being and creativity. You can find out more about Gareth's work in our show notes, and we'll also have links there to Catherine and Matthew's website so you can find out more. As always, thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed, please rate and review. It'll help others to find us. Let us know what you think about the show by tagging Creative Cardiff on any of your favourite social platforms. Get a Proper Job is made by Creative Cardiff with and for the creative community.
1: I've got a proper job.